Welcome to the Healthcare Executive Podcast, providing you with insightful commentary and developments in the world of healthcare leadership. To learn more, visit ACHE.org. And without further ado, your host, Chris Caraggio. Welcome, everyone, to another Healthcare Executive Podcast. I am your host, Chris Caraggio, and we are thrilled to begin the day. Um, with Ruland Stacy, he is our guest. Um, he is the managing director of Navigant's Healthcare Strategy Business Unit. Um, and before that, he was the CEO of Fairview Health System in Minneapolis. Before that, the CEO of University of Colorado Health. And then before that, the Poudre Valley, uh, the CEO of the Poudre Valley Hospital. Um, we're thrilled to have you, Ruland. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. You I'm got it. You got it. And, and and you know, we just we wanted to have you here because the topic today is leadership in crisis. And w- w- with your past, um, you, you, it was very apropos that, that we speak with you about this. And that's what we wanted to s- start right away. And if we could, leadership in crisis is very near and dear to your past um, at, at, at Poudre Valley uh, Hospital because um, the Matthew Shepard situation, which was a couple of decades ago, if you can believe it, right? I cannot believe it, um, but it was, yes. And... and you know, uh, I'll leave it up to you. But if you just kind of want to talk through uh, what you believe are the are the are the perfect traits uh, to lead in crisis, and then if you want to talk about about the Matthew Shepard situation personally, that would be great. I appreciate you bringing that up. That was a formative part of my career that has now stuck with me for twenty years and will very literally never go away. And it was. A, a chance. I think if I were going to going to take learning lessons from that, it was at that time I and and the staff that I was with at uh, Poudre Valley Health System was we were reliant on on our basic instincts. It was really truly just us because we were new as a team. We were new on site. The vice president of public relations had literally left the Friday before to take a job in Denver. And so we were, we were scrambling to do the best that we knew how to do. And in the end, we, we all, all of us felt, fell back on what is the right thing to do? What is the honorable thing to do? Nobody ever said what's going to make us the most money, what's going to represent us the best. What do we do right for this family and for this patient? Because we had the President of the United States calling us. We had NBC News calling us. We had um, so many hits on the website that it was it was crashing our website. And so it was it was absolutely into the fire in in one day and no warning, no warning, truly no warning. And uh, I am, uh, as I go back now, 20 years later, they've written plays about this, and there's people on stage representing me, saying my words, and and I'm I'm glad that at the time, I had the sense to just say, I can't worry about anything else. I, I've just got to be me and do what's right, and I think that history has proven that to be a good policy. And I guess that what you just said right there at the end, I guess that's the best tip. That's the best piece of advice for someone listening. Um, 
if they're wondering how, how would I lead in, in a moment like that, um, is to just be yourself, common sense, do the right thing, say the right thing. Is well, that correct? And I how hard so. is that to do, though? Well, for some people, it's very hard. Are we there are there are people who who just don't get it. I think I think it's easier in our careers to make nice people smart than it is to make smart people nice. And I just think we have a lot of smart people who've never become nice. And I don't have time for them. I, you know, go somewhere else, honestly. I just, I can't. I'll, let me give you an example okay. of, of when you just revert back to, um, to doing what you think is the right thing. So Matthew Shepard had been brought into our hospital. It was on a Friday. And it, it, the, the world attention was focused on us. We had news trucks lined up around the hospital. I'd walk out to a press conference and think, <laughs> what, yeah. what is this? It, is, it was the craziest thing. And f- finally, on Sunday morning, I got paged overhead, and it was the secretary from the White House. And she said, the president would like to talk to uh, Mr. and Mrs. Shepard and offer his support and sympathy. And can you arrange that? I said, I'll bet you I can. So I went and talked to Dennis and Judy and asked them about that. And we agreed that at 2 o'clock that afternoon to mountain time-ish, sometime, whatever time it was, President Clinton was going to call to talk to Dennis and Judy. Well, what was working in parallel to this was their son, their other son, had wanted to go in and see Matthew, and he hadn't been able to bring himself up to do that yet. And he'd been getting up courage and getting up courage and getting up courage, and on Sunday afternoon, finally, he said, I'm going to do it. I'm just going to go do it. And he got up the courage, and he and Dennis and Judy walked into that. I remember seeing that. Yeah, no, I don't know why you're talking to me about this. Yeah, so they walked into, they walked the, into the room okay. to see Matthew for the first time. Mm-hmm. And it, I knew how much of a struggle that was for that family and how much they needed to come together. And uh, so then I get paged overhead. I pick up the phone. Hi, this is so-and-so. I have President Clinton on the line. <gasps> oh, I forgot. They just went in to see Matthew. But what do you mean? No, well, they're not available for a few minutes. And she said, sir, I have the president of the United States on hold. (laughs) And I said, I am so sorry, but I am not going in that room. (laughs) There is, there is no way. I mean, you just, I'm just not, I don't care who was on that call. That family has been focusing on that moment and the good president can wait. And And that's what you told I did. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, I did. And, and I said, and "What was the reaction?" I said, "If you'll give me his cell, I'll call him back." But yeah. we're not. <laughs> they didn't. So, uh, but they called back in an hour, and it was done. And they worked out. And and President Clinton, well, part of the deal f- for the Shepherds was, we don't want you to make this a political. We'll talk to you if you really are concerned about us. Sure. But if you make it a a political football, then we're not interested. And. I really think the first time this ever came up was when I told this story. I don't think he ever did. I think he was true to his word. That is a great story. And thank you for sharing that because I think that is a perfect example 
because I'm trying to get a mental picture of what you just said. You're outside, you're in a lobby or in whatever floor it was on, right outside the room, and you're pay, and you're talking to the White House. Right. And, <laughs> you know, this is a once-in-a-lifetime, I mean, who talks to the White House, right? And with the president on the line waiting. And you made the right choice, but that was a very tough choice. And, and like, I, going back to what you said, do the right thing. I, th- I think right? so. Right, and that that was the right thing, but that was a very hard thing to not go in that room. You have the president on the line. As I was reminded with great force. Yes, I have the president of the United States on hold. <laughs> well, and you have no experience in that. So, so if you can, uh, how 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 were you able to make that decision? So, so there's a, that's a very good question. When when in my training did I receive training for when the president is on hold? Yeah, that's exactly and, right. Right? And where, where is that written down? Where is that? Which is why I think a great part of this, I've, I've often taught young, um, young students who I mentor and teach that the great majority of what happens when you're in this role is what you learned as a kid from your mom and your dad. And, and when I go to graduations, I give, the book I give is, everything I ever le- needed to know I learned in kindergarten. I, I think, you know, honestly, say nice things. Put the toilet seat down when you're done. <laughs> there's, there's just good things you yeah, can do. Yeah, it's, and and you know, that's I, the training that gets you through this. I guess, I guess so. I, I, and I think that, you know what, I think that would be a relief to some folks maybe listening to this that maybe we're going about thinking, I need, it's common sense. Do the right thing. Have the courage. I guess... Courage is the word, because that was courage that you showed. That was very courageous. I hope so. I, I, it was, and and I think that is that is the issue that most people can't find or don't believe that they would find that courage in that moment. And with you sitting here saying, "Look, I'm, I wasn't trained for this. I, I, I didn't know no, this was going right? to happen." Right? I can I can teach anybody to read a balance sheet. Yeah. I can I can I can do. I can teach anybody to do a good cost-benefit analysis. Mm. What I can't teach somebody is how to have a meeting with doctors and walk out of that meeting with the doctors thinking, I know he'll never lie to me. Mm. That, so at least we've got that. I might not agree with him. I might not know, uh, understand his position, but he did not just lie to us. And that part, there's a, there's a great room for that in our industry, and there will always be a room for that in our industry. There's a lot of people who can uh, read a balance sheet and and create projections and can calculate return on investment in four seconds. Uh, I can teach anybody that. Yeah. But it's that other, it's that other, yep. And you're so right about that. And that leads us to, uh, it's a good segue because I'd love to hear uh, your thoughts about how you I did not, now that you're on the, maybe the other side of it now, because you, maybe you're the person that is identifying leadership traits in someone and, and also influencing success when you see potential. Um, how do you do that? What, what, um, you, you live through that in a very personal way, um, but how can someone else do that? How can, how, again, how can you identify what, who a good leader would be? Um, in the healthcare space, let's, yeah, let's I, put it I, there. Uh, truly, the the you have to have a certain acumen. You you've got to you have to be able to understand the basic things. And there is certainly an intellect that you have to have. But 
generally, it's your people skills. It's your ability to, to do what you say you're going to do. Mm-hmm. It's the ability to be nice as opposed to smart. Uh, I, one, of the, one of the parts about my background, uh, since I'm so far in my career, I don't care who knows this, right? And there's, they can't throw me out now. I've been chair. <laughs> they can't make me not chair. Oh, maybe they can actually. Oh boy. Yeah, no, right? right. <laughs> so when I, I, I went to graduate school, I, I got 401 on my GMAT. Today, 401 wouldn't get you in to any program anywhere. I am truly not a smart person. I mean, by every definition, I, I am not smart. And uh, I would like to think, though, that history would record me as being successful. Yes, and, and I think that that success comes more from listening to other people, taking advantage of the people around me who are smart, being honest, working together as teams, working collaboratively. The things that occupy less than 10% of a graduate education. And, but those are the things I think will differentiate you. There are things that are necessary, but not sufficient. Those, those personal characteristics. Mm-hmm are crucial, I think. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I hear you saying uh, self-awareness, I think, is an important thing to know that. I mean, you just, uh, you know, demonstrated that right there, you know, saying you don't think you're a smart man, which I disagree with just meeting you. But but I understand what you're saying. I understand. And There's I, data to the contrary. I'm just it? telling you. <laughs> well, you and me are in the same boat, by the way. But... Um, but I love that it's better to be nice than smart. I'm paraphrasing what you yeah. said, but I, I, that is very, very important. People need to remember that in a leadership role, right? Yeah, I, well, absolutely. I think so. Yeah. What, one of the examples I use when I talk to leaders is when I give an annual evaluation. So I can, go, I can give an annual evaluation to somebody and I can say, these are three things that I think you need to work on. And one person will say, oh, thank you for that. I am. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. I know that you have no axe to grind against me, and you're giving me this in my own best interest. I will take that, and I will do what I can to improve with that. I can do that with somebody else, and they'll say, "Are you nuts? <laughs> Are you? I have worked all year to do that. You don't know a thing about what you're talking about." And we get into this, and if you, you have to ask you ask yourself, I think sometimes when you go into an annual evaluation, are you number one? Are you number two? Because if you're number two, your your ceiling is low. If you're not going to take advice and counsel from anybody, least of all your supervisor, Mm -hmm. if you don't respect that supervisor, go somewhere else. But if if you can't take that level of advice, I I just think that this is going to be a short career. And don't you ever dare presume give advice to somebody else. Do us all a favor and shut up. That's great advice. Wow. Yeah. Uh, okay, that was terrific. I, 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 before we let you go, and it's been great. Thank you, Roland, for being here. If you can just talk briefly about your personal journey with Baldridge and and you know where you were with that and where you are with that, and just your your overall thoughts for maybe someone. I I the the, the Malcolm Baldridge National Quality Award is, I believe, the best framework on earth for helping somebody who needs a framework, if I could give you a a list of 70 things to do to get your organization to reach its, the apex of, of cost and quality, I, 
there are many different frameworks that people use. There are many different books that you can use. I have come to the conclusion that the criteria in the Malcolm Baller's National Quality Award is the best that's available on earth. And I, it's hard, and which is why a lot of organizations, most organizations today, won't follow it, because it takes years to get your whole organization ingrained, thinking what one of the things that, that we did at Poudre Valley when we received the Baldridge Award and, uh, and distinguished us was that we had 5,000 employees, and by the end, 4,900 of those employees got out of bed every day with one singular goal in mind. And they all knew what they were going to do, and they knew their job to do it. I can go, if, if I went today to most senior leadership teams in most organizations, and I said to the 15 people in the room, will each of you write down what the purpose, the vision of this organization is? What do you guys want to be when you grow up? Mm-hmm. The chances of every one of them writing down the exact same word words is 10%. When, when you're able to go to a senior team and ask that question, everybody writes the same thing, and then go to the second level and everybody writes the same thing, and then go throughout the organization, I believe that in our organization, truly 4,900 of our 5,000 would have written the exact same words. That's focus. That's an organization driving to where, and Baldridge will do that like no other organization. And how did you do that? It, Valley. it took years of training leaders, weeding out the leaders who we, we had lots of, lots of leaders who had the, the mindset that you don't have to like me, you just have to get the job done. Okay, well, then you got to go because you're not going to work here. And, and we need the servant leader uh, looking at the employees as customers and the managers as leaders who provide a service to those customers, measuring our customer service to our, man, to our employees. And working that through the organization and then getting everybody engaged on our vision so that our accountants in our organization thought that their goal in life was to create world-class healthcare. They didn't think they were an accountant. They thought they were a meaningful part of a healthcare organization. Mm-hmm. And in the world today, in a, if you're in a healthcare organization where your accountants think that they're accountants, there's room to improve. Got it. Got it. Well... Ruland, thank you so much. I'm going to shake your hand. Thank, thank you. you so much for being here. Thanks. I'm going to remember, it's better to be nice than smart. <laughs> I feel so much better yeah. about myself yeah. right now. <laughs> and it's easier to make smart, nice people smart than yes. it is smart people nice. Yeah, oh, and it that. is better to be nice than smart. I love that. Um, folks, um, if you would like to um, uh, subscribe and don't miss future episodes, again, um, just go to the Healthcare Executive Podcast. Was that Frank? Good. What? Come on. you can. I didn't hear you. What is that? Five stars. Oh, rate us five stars. I had no idea so, what you say. So, so for those, let yes. me give it. Uh, to tell everyone to, to rate do, us for I, five stars. I used to do color commentary yes. for oh, basketball oh, radio. And let I was me, a play-by-play guy. So here oh, we go. we are there. Yes, that are you kidding awesome. me? So what's happening on the side here is the peanut gallery is coming yes. in and giving us <laughs> hand signs that absolutely yep. nobody understands. Yeah. But let me translate yeah, that please, for you. Yeah, please, please. If you don't give this episode five stars, I will think poorly of you for my entire life. And you're not nice or you're not smart. Right, right, right. (laughs) So put that in a pipe and smoke it. (laughs) Folks, we'll see you next time on the Healthcare Executive Podcast. This has been the Healthcare Executive Podcast, brought to you by the American College of Healthcare Executives. 
If you've enjoyed the show, please consider rating and reviewing on iTunes or your podcasting app of choice. And for more information, find us online at ACHE.org. Thank you.